You're listening to Levi Pierpont Has a Podcast, the podcast where I read blog articles that I published at levipierpont.com. Hello. Today it has been quite snowy, so I went to a store nearby and got some new snow pants and some uh, mittens, and I'm very excited to try them out and just like lay in the snow like I used to as a kid because it's it's pretty deep. It's got to be like five or six inches of snow outside right now, so I am loving it. Today I'm reading a blog post that was published on June 26, 2019. Uh, about four or five months after I came out on my blog, and it is called, it kind of has a, a title that I I wanted to start off lighthearted because I wanted people to not feel like threatened by it, I suppose. I, I think I, I did this title because my coming out series had been so serious and often kind of had laid blame for like, the sadness that came from the way that the church treated me on the church. So I wanted to have something that was a little more lighthearted. And so this was kind of like what I produced and it is titled how to be friends with a gay person. If you don't think queerness is the bee's knees, if anybody's listening who doesn't know what the bee's knees is, it's like, it's like a, an archaic, not archaic, but like an older phrase that people would use to say like, it's cool or it's rad or something like that. Um, all right, I'll get started reading. We were standing outside the church doors, a calm summer evening just beginning as the sun descended and the wind rest and the wind rested. The past few weeks, I'd slowly felt more and more unwelcome in groups of people I counted as my closest friends. And I knew I needed to ask him. I want to know, are we still friends? I expected him to brush the question off, to say, of course, Levi, but he didn't. He didn't really say anything. Until finally, churchgoers exited the doors nearby, and what might have been a conversation was suddenly cut off. And he never got back with me. A close friendship, years in the making, fell apart within the span of weeks. Over the course of last summer, I was systematically rejected from the conservative evangelical establishment groups that I belonged to at the time. As I came to accept myself more fully as a man intentionally and affectionately created by God and grew to be quite unapologetically queer, these groups saw fit to push me out, not only as a means of purification, but as a method of church discipline, as it were. As this process unfurled, I lost dozens of friends. Many people I had known my whole life. Others I'd been friends with for several years I'd been in youth group. These were people I thought would stand in my wedding. People I imagined getting coffee with in our late 20s, watching our children play together at the park in our mid-30s. Permanent people. And I lost them. Simply because I stopped believing that God hated my queerness. The moment I stopped believing I was cursed, that being gay was for me a disease, was the moment they started treating me like I was contagious. This isn't written, and, I, and I'm kind of going to go off the what's, what's here for a moment to say that one huge problem that I have with church discipline being used to, to really punish and excommunicate, excommunicate queer people from the church is that it just doesn't work. There was not a moment that 
I looked back and thought, oh, maybe I should decide to not accept myself and not believe that God loves me as I am so that I can have this church family back. And it's not because I didn't care about the church family. Obviously, as you just heard, it meant a lot to me. But the fact was, by the time I had decided to accept myself, I had thought about it and prayed about it and cried about it so much that it was there was nothing that that they could say to me that would make me be like, oh, you know, you're right. I've never thought of that. Let me come back to the church now. So that's just like my aside of like, if you are a, a Christian evangelical person and that's the way that you're treating a person who's queer because you think that it's going to help them. And I understand that you think that it's going to help them. And I understand why you do, because you think if the church did this to me, I would consider coming back. But you have to remember how long these people have thought about what they've done, how long I thought about my decision to leave the evangelical community and to believe differently from them. And that was hard. And it was a hard decision to make. It was a decision. You know, I didn't choose to be gay, but I did choose to believe that God had greater things for me than singleness and the church. You know, the other day, a friend of mine said, it's actually my cousin. She said, you know, I've never heard the word singleness said outside of a Christian context. I thought, isn't that sad? Like, here the church is supposed to be this community that like nurtures the family unit or or families. And in the United States, there's this attitude where it's like, yeah, yeah, the church, the evangelical church loves families, but it has to look the certain way. And if it doesn't, we discount it, we won't even consider it. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to rant too much. I know I've probably ranted like half the time that I've been recording me reading. So let me get back to reading the article. It was devastating at first, but simultaneously one of the most freeing moments of my life. As I fell out of closeness with these friends, fell from the comfort, the intimacy, the inside jokes and late night bonfire talks. As that fell away, I felt the reassuring presence of God pull me out of midair like a huge blanket and heard, heard God's quiet voice comfort me. The worry was gone. The people-pleasing was gone. Suddenly, it was just me and God. It was as if I had run home from school one day, tears in my eyes, feeling rejected by all my friends, to find my mother at home, there to give me a hug and whisper that everything was okay, and I didn't need those people anyway. Make no mistake, my relationship with God has not become perfect, and I continually manage to add people to the conversation I have with God. But when when I should be ensuring that only God's voice is heard. But that single moment of rejection and the ensuing clarity was worth every bit of pain that I felt in my gut that summer and in the year since. However, dozens of friendships don't simply end in one clean cutting of ties. I continue to ponder what it means to have a meaningful friendship with someone who does not accept my queerness, such as siblings, extended relatives, friends from my old church, and even my own parents. For the most part, I don't attempt to keep those friendships at all. Within the span of a few months, my friend group went from 20% to 80% accepting, and that's been largely healthy. Of the group of people I was close to a little under a year ago, there have been two basic reactions. Either a person doesn't understand what keeps us from remaining, remaining close friends, 
or the person enthusiastically accepts my resolve as an easy way out of the friendship because they've been uncomfortable with my queerness from the first day they were informed of it. In the case of the latter, I figure I can't do much to change the uh, <laughs> change the prejudice that an individual person holds in their heart. In the case of the former, I'm stuck trying to explain why this conflict conflict is such a big deal and thus why queerness is such a defining part of a person. Here are a few key points to keep in mind. When I say I'm gay, I'm not trying to broadcast that I am sexually attracted to men, though that is the case. I'm trying to communicate that what another person, a majority of people, may feel for the opposite sex, I feel for those of the same sex. This means I exclusively fall in love with men, I only have romantic and sexual desires for men, and I plan on spending the rest of my life with another man and raising a family with him. A person's orientation toward another gender or genders is more about love and less about sex. When we tell someone, I can still be friends with you, I just don't want to hear about your sexual orientation, we're not specifying that we would rather not have discussions regarding their sex life. We're telling them that in all matters of love and family, we'd rather not express any concern or interest in their personal lives. In my opinion, this is neither loving nor is it Christ-like. Don't expect a queer person to remain friends with you if you make them feel awkward every time they bring up dating someone or share exciting news about engagement, marriage, or adoption. In a friendship like this, the person who claims to be a more mature Christian is the one requiring grace, and this casts a bad light on the message of Christ, whether the LGBTQ person in question is a Christian or not. Julie Rogers addressed this concept on Twitter. A question I hear from Christians all the time is, can I love LGBTQ people without being fully affirming? You might be asking the wrong question. When we love someone, the main questions we ask are not about our feelings about them or our beliefs about their situation. When we love someone, especially someone whose experience differs significantly from ours, we do a whole lot of listening. We think about their overall health and well-being. We empathize. We empathize. We try to imagine the questions and fears they've had to carry, the loneliness of it all. We might even try to imagine what futures are available to them, real futures in this here physical world. Who will they list as their emergency contact for the next few decades? Who will they vacation with? Will they ever be touched for longer than the one, two, three pat hug? If you love LGBTQ people, might I suggest questions like, how can I support you as you heal from the suffering you've endured in the church? How can I show up for you in tangible ways? You could ask what's encouraged them in their faith and then engage that material yourself. Love draws us outside of ourselves and moves us to think of other people first. If we keep returning to questions that are about our beliefs or our experience of them, we might ask whether we truly love them or if we're just trying to manage our anxiety about them. And that's the quote from Julie Rogers. If you're straight, you don't think queerness is the bee's knees, and you're wondering if it's possible to remain close friends with a queer person slash queer people in your life, consider these things. Pray about it. Think through the old phrase, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus stop listening to them because they're queer? Would Jesus stop empathizing with them? I feel like I'm saying that word wrong, empathizing. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> would Jesus stop going to coffee shops with them, going on bike rides with them, having late night conversations about theology with them? Would Jesus let someone go without so much as one last conversation just because they were too comfortable with their queerness? Real quick, these things were very specific, okay? And I didn't say that on the blog post because I wanted it to be obvious, but recording this later, I'm like, nobody's going to listen to this. It's fine. 
when I say going to coffee shops, going on bike rides, late night conversations about theology, I mean those three things. These were very specific things that I I just had no longer experience of because these people were like, I don't want to hang out with you because you're a queer person. And that's just sad to me. I'm, I can't think of a world where Jesus or any other like serious religious person is going to be like, yeah, I can't hang out with you because you're, you're queer. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And so I, I answer this question in the post with, if you believe the answer is yes, I can't help you. All I can say is it's your loss. To reject your queer and or trans family members and acquaintance and acquaintances is to reject the image of God. Everyone has differing beliefs about this issue. It's not simple for anyone. Whether you remain non-affirming for the rest of your life or come to an affirming stance through prayer and study, my hope is that in all relationships, you will seek to practice the greatest commandment, treating others with love and letting the rest follow. And that is the end of that blog post. Um, again, I know I said this at the end of my um, coming out series, but seriously, if you are a queer person and you're growing up in a background that's similar to mine, like please feel free to reach out, feel free to send questions or just share your story if it's something that you've never shared with somebody and you just want to get it off your chest. Um, when I was growing up, one of the biggest things that helped me was watching YouTube videos online of people coming out. And usually they weren't Christian people. And so they, they didn't have that like added nuance, but just seeing them get through it and sometimes cry and feel that and watch them and go, you know, someday that might be me like that, that did make life easier for me sometimes. So I want to say that. And also for people who are more on the side of my parents, if you have a child who's queer or trans, um, if you, if you want somebody to tell you that you can accept your children and that God isn't going to blame you for doing that, I will tell you that. I'll tell you that right now. And I will tell you that in as many words as you need it told to you, because God is not a God of of lists of things that you have to adhere to. Um, it's not like that. Um, God loves your child. God loves your child, whether he or she or they is gay or straight or a guy or a girl or transitioning between the two or neither at all. It doesn't matter. God made it all and God loves us all. I know it sounds simple. I know people like my parents are going to be like, I just believe the word, you know, and that's okay. And you can, you can live your life that way. Nobody's going to stop you. But I truly believe if you want to live like Christ, if you want to be like Jesus, you've got to widen the circle of what you're comfortable with. You've got to learn to accept people that are outside of it. You can't treat people like lepers. That's, it's like the opposite of what Jesus wanted. So like I said, if you are a person with queer children, queer child, trans child, and you, you just need somebody to like talk through like what that might be like, or, or just send you some links to resources that I've, 
appreciated recently or something like that, just send an email, um, levipont at gmail.com. It's the last, it's it's first four letters of my first name or all the letters of my first name and then the last four letters of my last name, levipont at gmail.com. Send me an email and be like, hey, I listened to your podcast and I just want to know how I can, you know, show my child that they're loved and that I care about them, even if even if sometimes I'm not sure what I believe about the whole thing. The important thing is love your child. Put that first. I'm going to tell you right now, God is never going to blame you for putting love first. You can make a whole lot of mistakes, but if you put love first, love, love covers a multitude of sins. What else does that verse mean? besides put love first. And if you mess stuff up, it's fine because you put love first. Just do that and you'll be fine. Okay, that is all. And I'll be back at some point with another blog post. See you.